Hey guys, welcome back to the Philcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt. Wait, no, we fucked that up. Go ahead. Uh, are you the host or am I the host? <laughs> we can say it together. You want to say it together? Yeah. We are the hosts of the Philcraft Survival Podcast. Welcome to the Philcraft Survival Podcast. We are the host, Kurt and Mike. <laughs> Mike Kurt and Kurt. And, yeah. Kurt and Mike. What does your daughter say? Mert? Oh, yeah. My daughter's, yeah, they have a, they've got a funny nickname for us. It's Mert, which is Mike and Kurt. They actually think we're uh, lovers. <laughs> they call you Aunt Mike. They call me Aunt Mike. <laughs> oh, those kids. So sweet. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, guys and gals. Today's podcast, <laughs> you know, we actually, we're, we're doing a shooting. It's kind of a shooting the shit podcast because I put out a post yesterday where i basically asked for questions are you okay right now dude? <laughs> dude, I, I like went into uh I feel narnia like you just went into fucking i don't know the twilight stargate zone. I, yeah. I like literally went into stargate oh god the stargate the stargate dude <laughs> the door open yep um so you know the next the last post i did was basically asked for questions and we got 46 that's decent i thought we'd get more but some guys that some dude some guy what <laughs> Some guys and like gals. It's decent. <laughs> well, I like to see hundreds. I don't know. You get hundreds of comments on a video of like an Asian kid That's dancing, yeah. doing belly dances, and it's mocking me. Yeah, we're trying to do serious stuff, and you only Are got really? 46. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, you know, this episode just dedicated to you guys' QA sessions and, you know, answering questions that people want to know is really important. So, we'll do this every once in a while. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, let's start off. How do you condition your mind from pushing yourself on your own and training to have someone bark orders at you and pushing your limits? Oh, Ooh. actually, this is a great question. Um, this brings up uh, a lot of different things we've been talking about lately with motivation, discipline, mindset in general. So the big thing here is, uh, hey, man, the bottom line is if you want to be in special operations, nobody should be coming behind you to motivate you. I look at this when Mike and I or, you know, I'll speak for myself right now, but when I made the decision to go to SF, um, I was all in. Uh, I didn't need anybody to, to step behind me to tell me, hey, it's time to get up and do conditioning. Um, I didn't need anybody to hold my hand to make things happen. Hey, it's great that people reach out for advice. That's why Mike and I are here in Philcraft Survival. We live to do that, to help people out. Um, and we have no problem with that. But I'll be you know, completely honest with everybody on the, on the podcast here. When I made the the conscious decision to get involved, uh, to go to special forces assessment and selection, there was no turning back. And it, it was much like that uh, when I decided to go to ranger school and other things that I did in my military career. Once I made the mental decision or the decision that I was going to do that, uh, there was no failing. There was no turning back. None of those things were ever an option. Quitting those just weren't options. The only thing that was a that was an option was to be successful. And I think um, that plays into a lot uh, of your mindset and how you approach things. And and you know the the cool thing about all of that is spending all that time in the military and doing the things that both Mike and I you know were lucky enough to be able to participate in. That helped transcend my mindset into into civilian life now. So even as a you know helping Mike run Fieldcraft Survival. Um, I look at these things and we still do PT every morning when we're home in Colorado, when we're traveling, we do things, um, we still work out, you know, so, uh, a good example is Mike and I meet at like eight or nine every morning and we still do PT, you know, for an hour, two hours every day. Um, and that sets the tone for the rest of the day. So, so we'll work out and then we do business afterwards. 
And we have lived like that for decades. And I fully plan on continuing to live like that because one, it keeps me mentally sane. And two, uh, it's like a daily, what we used to call in the military battle rhythm uh, that I exercise in soft. And, and it's a good one. You know, uh, when you're up in the morning working out, getting the blood flowing, um, it helps for other things like using your brain. So um, that's my two cents on that question. Great question. That was more like 10 cents. Yeah, sorry. That was 10 cents. We'll get a refund later. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so winter's coming. Does your EDM and EDC change for the brutal Colorado winters? Huh. In conjunction with another question I got via DM, they asked me about my runner. And they ask, hey, my Toyota 4Runner, what is it? What mods do I have? And I'll, I'll lay those out, and then I'll tell you what changes uh, for your EDM and EDC. The first thing is, one, my Toyota 4Runner is a 2016 Trail, which means it's not the TRD because I didn't want the leather. And it's got all the off-road features the TRD has, but it doesn't have all the uh, Toyota TRD badging that I think is just obviously you're paying for badges. And so I knew I was going to strip off the suspension and do a whole bunch of mods to it. So I wanted the trail edition. I don't think for 17, they do that anymore, but for 16, I luckily got one. I have icon uh, suspension stage seven, which is awesome because it's adjustable in the shocks and in the uh, actual ride height. I also have uh, DeMello bumpers and rock sliders uh, all the way around. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I got a front DeMello bumper, DeMello rock sliders, and then I have a CBI or no <laughs> RCI. Damn it. CBI. Yeah. CBI yeah, rear CBI. bumper with swing, swing arms, uh, spare tire carrier and fuel, fuel tank carrier. Plates. My undercarriage has uh, skid plates. The skid plates. They're yeah. made by RCI. So you got CBI and then RCI. RCI skid plates all the way down. I got a, a Safari snorkel yeah. by ARB. Yeah. Um, I got a Gobi rack on the roof. Uh, I think it's the Stealth, the Ranger Stealth or something like that. And I also have a synthetic a winch that's inside the uh, DeMello bumper. That's a 10,000-pound winch. Also, it's Bluetooth and uh, manual remote. I have uh, Baja lights, uh, fog lights inside of my uh, fog light housing. What else do I have? A butt plug, <laughs> a butt plug in the glove box, yeah, and center console. That's actually the most important feature in everything. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? I do have uh, the wet acoli, uh, wet acoli seat yeah, covers, seat covers, which That's, are money. Yeah. It's uh, what is that uh, polyurethane? Remember when I when uh, Storm tried to shit in your forearm? <laughs> she shit on my forearm. <laughs> Had to bring that up, but wet acoli seat covers are. Uh, they're money. I've got them in my wife's Forerunner as well. And they're well. made in Love Hawaii. Them. They're handmade in So they have two places. So Wetakoli started, I believe, out of Hawaii, but they also have a warehouse manufacturing facility in California. Nice. And so they ship from the West Coast uh, to their customers. Nice. So I do have an AFE uh, cold air intake, which uh, my vehicle, if you look at the pictures on AFE's website, is actually my Forerunner because they're the first Forerunner – um of that model year which i think is fifth generation was my forerunner they they prototyped it and and put one in there made it made a huge difference too some of the mods that i'm looking to do i also have a uh, easy on tent which is the jazz easy on tent i love that tent and i'm changing the gobi rack to an easy on rack so i could have that tent just to be a little bit more um streamlined i'm also planning on to put drawer systems in i'm talking to travis hess when we're at SEMA, and then I'm looking at SEMA to find a company that I could do the uh, drawers 
um, inside the right. vehicle. Yeah. And I also have a battery compartment, which is a spare battery that charges off your main battery and um, provides power to everything in the vehicle. I also have a fridge. I don't know the name of the company that makes the fridge, but pretty cool fridge system. Now, if you're looking is at an ARB, is it an ARB fridge? No, it's no. not. Yeah, ARB is actually smaller. I bought a bigger one because I got it from Addison for cheaper. Yeah. Hey, but if for EDC, I'll give you an example for everyday carry. One thing I always do is for everyday carry, I change my pistol to a revolver. I use a Ruger LCR 38 plus P. I use that revolver because you could stick it in your coat pocket when you're maneuvering. Because, you know, you have getting to a concealed firearm in the wintertime could yeah. be problematic. Yeah. But if you have a Ruger LCR concealed inside of a jacket pocket, it's the perfect concealed carry gun because it's hammerless. So it doesn't have a reciprocating slide that induces malfunction. It's something that you can carry in your pocket. You know, I, if I'm pumping gas in a shitty area, I can pump gas and hold the gun literally in my hand yep. while I'm pumping gas. Also, some things that changes in the vehicle for EDM is having the ability to – I always carry a, a kit or a package in my vehicle – to do recovery, um, but also uh, since I've been having problems with flats, having a fix a flat kit, right? Which is fix a flat, the actual you know the wet version of it where you stick it in the tire and it and it rotates in it yeah. and seals up stuff. But also having cold weather gloves to be able to do all that stuff like run a winch, uh, work on your ba uh, battery compartment, all that stuff. Also something to look at is if you keep your vehicle outside or even inside during cold weather, especially in Colorado, you want to put your uh, your battery on some kind of trickle charge to keep it running and to keep positive and negative. I was going to sound smart just now. <laughs> I was going to say like neurons, but that's the brain. <laughs> electrons, I think it's electrons, flowing through the battery system to keep Sounds it charged. Good. Sounds good. Bro. Yeah, that's good. Um, also, something to think about too is I carry a minimalist Phil Craft survival kit and so does Kurt. And, you know, the cool thing about that kid is has the ability to make a fire. It, when shit hits the fan, you want to make a fire, obviously, to keep your keep you warm. But it also has a space blanket, which is the uh, – it's, so, uh, it's a mylar space space blanket. That's right, yeah. Uh, which is important to, you know, if, you, if you're having blood loss or trauma to keep the person from getting shot. Warmth, reflecting heat off of a fire, all signaling kinds of, device. It's like the best piece of equipment yeah, ever. It is legit. And it's like a couple bucks, which is yeah. awesome. So I hope that answers your question. So I'll ask Kurt the next one. You discussed becoming SF qualified before, uh, but I'd like to know if either of you personally have seen or know anyone making it through SS selection of any branch with asthma. Curious if with self-discipline you can squeeze through the cracks. <laughs> that is if you can make it through MEPS to begin with and if it's worth the risk uh, to do so at the risk of a dishonorable discharge and being pay being revoked that was like a serious ending to that yeah you know hey um, consequences with lying yeah i mean uh the first thing i think about is um i'm thinking back through my career right now i don't i don't think i can remember anybody that i served with in sf that had asthma like diagnosed asthma for real and you know the second part of that is is i would caution you about uh you know kind of the whole slipping through the cracks thing so so again remember the whole team atmosphere the idea is is that each guy pulls his weight and and you know m kind of my personal opinion on that no offense is uh unfortunately if you have asthma you could potentially be the guy that's holding the team back liability right yeah i mean it could be a liability um you know again no offense man I, i'm not trying to crush your dreams and and everything that you hope to do i would take a hard look at that and 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 kind of you know understand that 
any of those type of health issues that are going to hold you back physically uh, could be a detriment to the team. And that's just unacceptable. So, and that's the honest answer to that question. So cool. I'm a pursuing a career in special operations. I know it's all mindset, but would you two prefer going to ranger school before SFAS or does it really matter? So I've got some thoughts on this. So I grew up in the infantry, the airborne infantry at Fort Bragg prior to going to SF. And I will tell you that my experience uh, serving in the airborne infantry and then going to ranger school uh, prior to going to SF actually helped me. Uh, when I went through uh, the special forces qualification course, you know, where you're going through all of your different qualifications, whether it's language, small unit tactics, your MOS phase, any of that stuff, my prior experiences and, and life ex experiences in general, but my prior military experiences in the airborne infantry, going to ranger school, being a leader, um, I had already been in combat. Those things all served me extremely well when I got to SF. Uh, the first team that I went to, I immediately transitioned into the senior weapons sergeant position and I was prepared to do that. You know, a lot of guys I feel like that would have had less experience would have been set up for failure. Uh, but because, you know, I was a senior staff sergeant when I got to SF and then quickly made sergeant first class after that, um, I was fully prepared based off of uh, previous experiences in the military. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, going to Ranger School prior to SFAS only set you up for success in land navigation, rucking, packing your ruck, the discipline, all the things that you know that you learn in Ranger School because it's a steep learning curve. And, you know, it's weird because I pack a ruck just like every infantryman or special operations guy packs a ruck, but it's there's an actual process to it. And you have to learn that. Right. And you typically in the infantry learn it the hard way, but you learn and it becomes an optimized process. And so if you show up to selection and you don't understand that process, that's not the time when you want to try to figure shit out. Right. And also with land navigation, like, you know, there's there's techniques and tips and all these things that we teach in our assessment course that Phil Craft Survival runs that aren't known that you would have to learn the hard way. Right. And the only way you learn it is going to a school like Ranger School. So I would say yes, go to Ranger School, get the experience. In fact, I even think I want to say my instructors treated me different in small unit tactics in the Q course Absolutely. because I was ranger qualified. Yeah. In fact, me and one other guy were ranger qualified, and we were put in charge of the dudes and small unit tactics because they leaned on us for planning and patrolling to make sure everybody else was squared away. That's right, and I experienced the exact same thing. So, yeah, definitely, uh, if you have the opportunity, go, man. It's not going to hurt you. It'll only benefit you. Kind of a different question, but here goes. I tried joining the military twice, but I was denied both times because I have high blood pressure. Uh, he says it's hereditary and there's no waivers for it. I'm 26 years old and have a good career in aviation, uh, maintaining medevac aircraft, but I still have this feeling of guilt that I didn't serve even though I was so willing to and was stuck here while guys my age went over and served. It's something I struggle with and I'm not sure how to settle. Maybe I'll always feel that way. Or maybe there's something I can do to help guys like you that did serve and protect this great nation of ours. I know it's not a typical question with an easy answer, but anything would help. And he says, thank you. Well, I think, hey, you know, well, hold on a second. One thing is I want everybody to appreciate the fact that I just read that. <laughs> you barely read it. Barely, barely, <laughs> yeah. I almost jumped in there. <laughs> Back to you. I knew. Yeah, I knew. Well, Mike was like, Mike actually patted me on the back and he's like, you can do this one, bro. You can do it. 
And so I was, I was like, rubbing his back. I can do it. it. And it's like what we talked about in mindset. If you say it out loud and you say, I can do it, you can do it. Oh, man. And I did it. I did it. That's so All awesome. Right. That's in right, conjunction so. with your post about Clifford. Yeah, that's, that was yeah, good. That was pretty funny. Um, so here's what I'd say to uh, VCM68. There's several reasons that usually medically related that typically you won't be able to serve. And what I'll tell you is just like I tell people on the other side of it, you have to get your mind right. You have to understand that that's outside of your control and that's not your fault. And so what can you do? You know, there's so many things that you can do to one, serve your community, serve your country, serve your family that are equally as important as serving your country as a soldier, sailor, Marine, or airman. I would say for somebody like you, number one, you're 26 years old, you have high blood pressure. It's hereditary. There might be a way to get your blood pressure down that you're not looking at. And I don't know, fucking eat oatmeal, fucking, there's there's a hundred different ways to maybe potentially get below that threshold to where you're registering that you don't have high blood pressure. That's number one. Number two, if you've determined that it's not a course of action and that you have to seek another course of action, I would tell you that service is service. I look at soldiers the same way I look at uh, law enforcement officers and uh, firefighters. You could be serving your community and doing just as good of a job as anybody else. You have to get your mind right and out of the bubble that's beating yourself up because you can't serve your country. Because remember, you are serving your country if you're serving your community. You are serving your country if you're serving your family. Service comes in different forms and different factors. Don't just isolate yourself and be settled on the fact that you have to serve inside the military for you to make a difference. You can make so many, many significant differences outside of that. Lastly, I'll say is if you don't plan to go in law enforcement, if you have the med same medical waiver issues, volunteer. The best types of people in the world are the people that give their time selflessly to people who need it. Go to a VA and talk to them about doing volunteer work. Help these veterans who are struggling in life, typically the Vietnam era guys that are getting old in age, their health's deteriorating, and they need somebody. They need families, they need friends, and a lot of times they don't have that. You know, Volunteer and do your best, man. All right, so next question. When will you be expanding the tribe? I'd love to get a chapter going in my area. I plan to join the Army as an 18 Alpha after college. It's available for entry level. Any advice on how to improve my leadership skills and condition myself these next couple of years? So three-part question. I think I'll take the first part and then you take the uh, army. Um, the army part. The army part. <laughs> so when, when you we- You are the master tribe master. The, I mean, the tribe, <laughs> the tribe master. You're the tribe What's master. What's the Ghostbusters when uh, <laughs> that, that, that pretty attractive woman, like she's like- the, the gatekeeper. Oh, yeah. The key master and the, the gatekeeper. Yeah. yeah, it's the key master and the gatekeeper. I'm watching that movie tonight. We're, we're dating ourselves right we now. We are. <laughs> so that was like, oh, man, we're so old. Yeah. When will you be expanding the tribe? Well, number one, we'll be expanding the tribe within 30 days. The expansion of the tribe is the upgrade, the tribe upgrade, as opposed to the tribe update. The tribe update is free. As opposed to the, the tribe downgrade. <laughs> Don't be on the downgrade side of the tribe. Yeah. You get DX. You get PNG'd. You want to get PNG'd from the tribe, bro? Um, that's pretty funny. Oh, man. You're all over today. So the tribe uh, downgrade. Uh, the, tri the, the, the upgrade. The upgrade. The, the tribe uh, update is a free update, free service, weekly update that we had. We just put one out. The tribe upgrade is a membership program 
that's going to be for subscription based and annual based where you'll be able to get um, a lot of incentives. Right. Some of the you incentives. Wanna, you want to you want to get like just give a, a preview of what yeah, a potential. A pot- I know. Yeah. This is, we, we literally were talking about this this morning in the we gym were working out and Mike. Mike was excited. He was my, my fucking head blew yeah. off. Uh, number one is we already got membership coins in They're number membership coins. The first 10 are already spoken for because we got people knocking on our doors. But you get a membership coin that gets you free access to our Survival Expo. Right, which we're talking about doing annually, right? We're doing annually. We might even do a biannually, which Ooh, is just buy. twice, which is two. Dude, buy. Two for uh, <laughs> two for the one. You just said buy. Uh, yeah, buy. So you can get free access to our range days, which means we have, we're have we planning on doing with Reveille Peak Ranch in, in Burnett, Texas. Burnett, Texas, which is outside of Austin. You can fly into Austin. Burnett. Burnett, Texas. And uh, what we plan to do is have a three-day range session where you can come out and shoot with some of the greatest shooters in the world, including me and Kurt. <laughs> um, we're not at the top of the total pole on that, trust me. But uh, some of the greatest shooters and tacticians in the world, and you have free VIP access to that. The seminar is a survival seminar that releases that will have special guest speakers that you know have been through uh, situations like we plan to hit up maybe Scott Ford and all these guys who are, who are buddies of ours who have served in special operations and who have been and survived catastrophic, catastrophic yeah, events situations. in life. But they could teach their lessons learned. So it's like a, a survival seminar, but we have a big banquet. I'm out of breath. Yeah, dude. I'm not you're breathing fucking, all hard. You're, it's these funnies <laughs> I just ate. Who the fuck? Oh, whatever. So <laughs> you, you have this banquet where we have raffles. All the proceeds will go to a yeah. nonprofit. And also, you know, just a, a really good time. But also you'll get updates in the upgrade where you could personally get, you know, a tutorial on all the things that are taking place with uh, Phil Craft Survival. So, like, we'll give you a tutorial on how to shoot a pistol, how to shoot a carbine, how to use it in a survival situation, active shooter, tack med, et cetera, et cetera. So, pretty excited about that. Said, I'd love to get a chapter going in my area. So, the second part to this is we do plan through Facebook to align chapters and chapter presidents in every single state. So that way we have a community of obviously like-minded tribes that can stick together, start building their own tribes. And then we all come together for this seminar, this massive seminar. Annually or biannually. Biannually, (laughs) where we have a lot of stuff going on. So I hope that helps a little bit. We're dropping that real soon. We're excited about that. Yeah, so the the last part of that question is he plans on joining the Army as as an SF officer after college. Uh, and that's not entry level, like you said. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, how to improve leadership skills and condition uh, himself. One, uh, be a good student of leadership. Pick up a book and read about leadership, about other special operations officers um, that have served in that capacity. Uh, a good book that I can think of right off the bat is The Mission, The Men, and Me. Um, which is a fantastic book that was written by an ex-Delta Force officer. Um, and he talks through a lot of different things in which he experienced in leadership and helping enabling his men to complete the mission. Uh, that's one thing I do. You're young in the game, man. Uh, I'll be quite honest with you. You need to close your mouth and listen to guys with experience around you, especially if you do end up uh, serving your country. Listen to your senior experienced uh, non-commissioned officers. Um, at the end of the day, if you become an officer, you will be responsible for the decision that's made at, at the end of the day. 
but you need to listen to your experienced non-commissioned officers that are around you. Those guys have been there and done that. And if they're good NCOs, they won't steer you the wrong way. Um, so I, I would encourage you, you know, one, to read about other leaders. Um, and then two, uh, when you get there, hey, be quiet, listen. And then uh, as you gain seniority um, in rank and then experience, uh, experience before rank, obviously, then you'll really know what leadership is about. That's some really good advice, man. Real good advice. Let's answer the next question. Sorry, there's a little delay here. I'm just answering DMs. <laughs> no big deal. I'm down the Instagram rabbit hole uh, and I'm gone. Uh, there's so many questions. Uh, yeah, guys. So while we're waiting, while Mike's, uh, he's fat thumbing through his Instagram <laughs> right now. <laughs> Um, we want to remind you guys that uh, the Fieldcraft Survival Tacoma will be at SEMA 2017. The dates for that is 31 October to 3 November. Mike and I will actually be at SEMA. Um, if you guys uh, are in the area, please come out and visit. Um, I know it's not open to the public, but if you're involved in the automotive industry uh, and you're a fan of Fieldcraft, please stop by and say what's up. We'll be with the truck. We'll have swag too. Yeah, we'll buy some swag. Yeah, us. exactly. We'll have all kinds of swag, hats, t-shirts. Another Fieldcraft gear uh, accessible for you to get um, while you're at you're visiting us at SEMA. So it's going to be cool. We're excited about it. Uh, the reason why we did the uh, the SEMA build in general was to donate the profit to a an organization or a nonprofit that we support called Gold Star Teen Adventures. Check them out: www.gsta.org. It's GST Adventures. Oh, GST Adventures. Sorry. .org. Uh, check them out. Um, super awesome organization. We know the guy that started it. He's still on active duty. He's a fucking boss. And uh, we're happy to help support organizations that make a difference. All right. So Zach notes says, what podcast and other enlightened and confident individuals do you let influence you and your work and why? That's a, a really good question. I think, yeah, that's you, know, legit. you know, number one, this isn't the end all be all is what we know. What we know is we have to continually continually look and receive information and learn from other people's experiences. I'm continually, whether it's reading, uh, whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's just, just listening to Kurt run his mouth, like I'm <laughs> seeking knowledge. And so some of the influences that influence me are Tim Ferriss's podcast, which is a really influential podcast because he has subject matter experts from every field of expertise, uh, especially when it comes to business. And, and even health and um, yeah, anything. I mean, yeah, it's, I guess it's everything. Yeah, he's literally been diving into a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, taking those lessons learned from all those people and then learning from their experiences really gives you a lot of ways to think innovative. One of my favorite books is Zero to One. I don't remember the author, but it's one of my favorite books because it talks about innovation. I love the processes behind thinking innovatively and thinking about new thoughts and ideas. And I, I'm a big proponent of that. I was just brainstorming with a friend of mine the other night and just coming up with different ideas. I always love to do that. So also cross-pollinating your ideas or your thoughts with other people that you know. You, what do you got on that? The cool thing is, is that uh, Mike and I, just based off of the nature of what we did in the military, um, have built a pretty vast network of connections and people that we deal with, whether it's business, friends. There's a lot of different things there. But one of the neat books that was recently recommended to me, which I fully intend on getting, is uh, called The Founder's Mentality. 
And I will tell you guys that, uh, you know, as a business and organization, Philcraft Survival is growing, which, hey, thank you guys for that. And, um, and you know, we, uh, based off of growth, are trying to figure out things. And so this has been a positive experience for both Mike and I to figure out how to make Philcraft even better. And so um, a good friend of ours who happens to be uh, the director of sales and marketing at U.S. Night Vision um, recommended a book to me called The Founder's Mentality. And basically the book covers how to overcome the predictable crisis of growth, uh, which is cool because, uh, you know, we're we're doing well and uh, we want to make sure that Fieldcraft is delivering uh, to make sure that that people enjoy the content that we're putting out, that it makes sense and that you guys are getting something out of it. And so uh, as further reading material for us to get better, uh, the founder's mentality. So pretty cool. Yeah. Books, podcasts, listen to them. Tim Ferriss. Who's the Navy SEAL dude? Jocko. Jocko. Um, that's another podcast. <laughs> Uh, Who's the Navy SEAL? Dude? Sorry, I just don't know SEALs names. <laughs> There's so many of them. All right. So how often do you practice your deep bushcraft skills, fire starting, shelter making, et cetera, with just minimal gear versus bring in lighters, tents, bivy, et cetera? Never <laughs> is the answer. So we glam camp normally. Yeah. I, I would say that. You, well, you just actually, you put some stuff on social media where you're out doing some fire and. Yeah. I, I made a fire with a big lighter. <laughs> at high elevation i think the answer to that is we do do it several times and you know outside of what we do i think the most important thing is like for example our minimalist survival kit if you have that kit the coolest thing about it is when you go camping go camping with the minimalist kit and then see how you perform or how you how you can get through situations with just the minimal pieces of equipment we often do it uh, we haven't been doing it recently because we've been so busy and task saturated but it's something that we believe in because we did it in special operations with absolutely nothing. Like if I had a minimalist survival kit when I was a snipe going into Iraq and you know Afghanistan and on these stay behind missions, I would have loved to have that because it would have been a security blanket where you know like I'm sitting in the middle of a house in Iraq and we're running out of water. Well, you have the ability to procure water, but you don't have the ability to sanitize it. So how are you going to sanitize it? We're going to use yeah. what you got, which is in, in a minimalist survival kit is a 0.5 liter bag with chlorine dioxide to sanitize it. You mean you're not going to show up in the country and drink the tap water out of the... I've Sorry, done that before. That's another story out of a garden we'll, hose. We'll save for another on, podcast. On target and poop my <laughs> pants. We recommend doing that stuff every so often. And, you know, in the future, we will do that and we'll videotape it. We talked about doing a 72-hour event with the minimalist survival kit and then showing us and how we use it and it being a raw, unfiltered, uncut I video. Think, dude, that'd be epic. We're going to do it. Let's do it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fucking awesome. It'd be great. So first of all, thank you for your service. This is from MP Klein. I'm very grateful. Do either of you train with or own backup weapon systems like crossbows, tasers, even slingshots, and the event ammo was unavailable to you or your guns were compromised? So I'll talk about what I typically carry in my vehicle or on my person that's not firearm related so one i carry a fixed yeah what was that <laughs> it's not mike's butt plug yeah it's not <laughs> he said me. he said it's a dildo <laughs> <laughs> anyways um besides my dildo mike double ended um yeah ribbed. it's the big 12 incher yep anyways um no but i carry a blade um i'm big about kernel blades check them out uh, they do a fixed blade and the whole premise of the system is uh, it's an appendix carry blade in a Kydex holster. 
and uh, you draw it just like you would a pistol. The actual grip on the blade itself um, is like, uh, you know, reaching for a firearm that you appendix carry. Um, you've got a literally a four inch length of steel in a blade form that mounts over your knuckle. And, and the whole premise of the thing is to basically punch with a blade on your knuckle. And um, check them out. They're all over YouTube. They've got a website. Um, super legit guys that came up with the concept um, and are making that happen. And then the second part of that is if I'm not carrying a blade, um, I carry a palm slap, which <laughs> which is probably illegal as fuck. But it actually has a it's small a palm slap. <laughs> so I actually have this uh, this leather piece that fits over my hand and it has a lead uh, small brick, for lack of better terms. It's inside of the uh, the leather and you actually mount it on your palm. And so if uh, there was an aggressor for uh, for an example, uh, you could use this thing and it would be like a pair of brass knuckles, except the lead brick actually mounts in You're your just palm. Just bitch slapping dudes. Yeah, lead. like crushing motherfuckers. That's cool. Um, so, you know, uh, to answer your question, blade, the palm slap. Um, again, be careful. Some of those uh, devices are illegal. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. The last part of that is a slingshot. I use a slingshot. I actually have a slingshot in my go bag that I use because I actually have the big BBs. <laughs> which are the, like they're like ball bearings yeah, i've seen them which is awesome because i grew up with a slingshot and i'm pretty good with a slingshot and you know for small game especially for hunting i mean dude you could actually you know you could shoot these little bb's but you can recover them too and then if you don't have that you can use fucking rocks yeah. so you can crush small game with a slingshot and slingshots are a couple bucks you can get a uh a reasonably price price slingshot at walmart for like 15 bucks red rider Red Rider. That's a BB gun I grew up with. Dude, I grew up with a Red Rider. <laughs> I was amazing with that thing. The lights go out and it's time to bug out. What beer do you bring? Oh, shit. Ooh, this is a tough one. A fucking case of Planet of the Elder. Yeah, I mean, our, our I think our top right now, like, uh, I was, like, calling bullshit on Planet of the Elder until Mike introduced me to it. We were on a trip training in California and uh, was it Makuni's, the yep. sushi? The sushi house you know, they carry it regularly and we had the opportunity to stop in and have a, a decent meal and uh Pliny the Elder, bro, IPA, Russian River Brewing Company. It's legit. Russian River. If you're listening to this podcast, we need a regular supply of Pliny the Elder. Dude, I'd suck it. And a more serious note is pretty serious stuff though. Beer is obviously what forms of physical fitness do you guys incorporate into your lives now? Has that changed since your time in the military and what are goal standards you feel are important? That's a really good question. Yeah, it is good. So, you want me to jump in on this? Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so so I talked I'm just about gonna eat these funyuns. You go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna finish drinking this beer and eating this uh, 12 pack of donuts. Um, no, uh, so physical fitness, it is important, man. And um, you know, one of the things that we believe in it at Philcraft Survival is, uh, hey, we're ex special operations guys. And uh, we still want to look the part, man. I mean, nobody wants to jump in and train with us if we look like fat, sloppy uh, douchebags. Yeah, sloppy the junk wagon is what we call them. Um, so Mike and I are pretty serious about physical fitness. A lot of the stuff that we do now is uh, weight training. Um, Mike does buys for the guys, just in case anybody was wondering. I do um, both buys for <laughs> yeah. both for two guys. Yeah. Two buys for two guys. Um, no, to be serious to answer the question, we do weight training. We occasionally will do cardiovascular stuff where we're running. Um, hey, we both live at like 8,000 feet in Colorado. So just the elevation alone and working your system 
obviously puts extra stress on your body system itself. Um, so we're getting a lot of benefit out of that. Do I hit it as hard as I did when I was actually in special operations? I'll be quite honest. No, I don't. I had a different style of workout when I was on active duty. And typically it revolved around lifting weights, doing uh, cardiovascular exercise, um, long distance stuff and being uh, extremely varied in my capability that way uh, because of the job and um, and because of injuries and and a lot of different things that happened through the course of, you know, 20 years in the military. Um, hey, man, your joints break down. A lot of different things break down. And, and my goal now is that I look at life as a marathon and not a sprint. And so uh, when we work in our physical activity, um, you know, it's designed for longevity. And so Mike and I both work yoga. Um, we do a lot of yoga stuff for mobility. We still do weight training um, and we still do some cardio, um, just probably not as, uh, as tough as we, we uh, were executing those exercises on active duty. So what goals are some of the standard or goals and standards you feel are important? I think, you know, that's an individual obvious question, but you know, I think the pursuit overall health and fitness is important. So not just obviously working out is important, but that's just one component to eating a healthy lifestyle or even living a healthy lifestyle, right? So we don't smoke. We rarely dip. I mean, we chew tobacco every once in a while, but that's rare. We have good sleep habits. So we try to get seven, eight hours of sleep a night. Yeah. Um, again, like yoga also lends itself to meditation, which is, you know, clearing your mind. We do drink beer, but we, you know, for the most part, we don't do that in excess. We have, you know, a beer or two. Um, beer or four. Yeah, a beer or four. No, yeah. but seriously, I mean, we, you know, we don't hit the bottle hard. I think moderation is the key in a lot of that stuff. And I, and I think that holds true for a lot of things in life. So, yeah. So the next question is from Cliff. He says, can you recommend some specific commercial off the shelf comm systems for short range, 25 to 30 K use, which is long range. What were the kinds of systems used in SF is EMP still a possible scenario and what's the best way to prepare for it? So, you know, he's EMP is referring to like a dirty bomb getting blown over, which is, you know, causes radioactive disruption in uh, infrastructure, which includes disruption of GSM and uh, CDMA and satellite uh, infrastructure, which basically is our comm systems, our ways of communication. Uh, I will say that commercial off the shelf comm systems, some of the best systems are ham radios. I think ham radios are kind of a staple of VHF and UHF. You know, in the military, we use, I think when we got out, it was like one, 152s was a staple of communications, which allowed you to do line of sight communication and also SATCOM. Right. And then uh, that came from 148s and tail 126s, 126s. Right. So there's a whole bunch of nomenclature there. I would say the best resources for that is Harris Radios. Harris has contracts for special operations for those radios, but they also have commercial. In Libya, I used commercial Harris radios that were allowed to be sold to, to the Libyans. Right. Uh, but obviously Americans and uh, civilians can buy those, you know, a line of sight radio with a good antenna on high ground is a cool opportunity for you to leverage that in a hunting environment, outdoor environment, overland environment. Um, but also as a contingency to be able to communicate to everybody involved, you got one ham radio. That's the relay system for all the handhelds. I mean, you could basically hop an RF feed, all or a radio frequency feed, all over the place. What we typically do is, if we're running around town, you know, in a semi-permissive environment, we're running handhelds, but it's off based off of a repeater. A repeater is just an antenna 
to basically hop the feed. Uh, so it's all it's all cool stuff. It's pretty complex, I'll tell you, and it's pretty expensive. So what I use for commercial uh, use is I use two 30-channel, 25 to 30K range walkie-talkies. You can get them from Harris. You can get them from a whole bunch of companies. I got mine from Bass Pro, and they're awesome radios for line-of-sight communication. You know, that's a, you know, two line-of-sight radios is a a must and a go-bag for contingency anything um, because you obviously need to depend on line-of-sight communications because you won't have uh, the GSM infrastructure if, if shit breaks down. All right, so uh, last couple questions. We'll do about two more. I'm in Massachusetts. ARs and mass-compliant AKs are hard to come by. Any thoughts on alternative carbines, Ruger Minis, or SKSs? Also, can you comment on mods you would recommend? For example, you mentioned on our order podcast that you like Glocks a lot, but always change the trigger and sights out. Number one, my first gun that my mom bought me, unbeknownst to her, was an SKS when I was 12 years old. <laughs> I literally bought, I, I remember this, I bought a thirty round, two 30-round magazines from roses in north carolina and reverse taped them with electrical tape and had a sks Damn. looking like a bc <laughs> <laughs> under my bed as a 12 year old in fayetteville in fayetteville yeah. 762 by 39 you also had a beard at that point. i had a beard <laughs> and and i had tire sandals and yeah. nobody fucked with me so um i will tell you that you know SKSs they're not accurate they're pieces of shit they, typically they're made from china or russia and they're not really good weapon systems, but they're good for close range stuff. You might get one out of the box that might be semi-accurate. The better version of that is the Ruger Mini right. 14 is a 5.56 by 39 millimeter ranch gun it's used for. But it's a decent weapon system. And, you know, you don't always have to go to an AR. People people don't understand like AR because it has all the Picatinny features and all the accessories. It looks like an assault rifle. But it's simply a 22 caliber, high power 22 uh, caliber rifle. I would honestly lean more towards a Riggy, uh, a Riggy, God dang it, <laughs> a Ruger Mini 14 because it's just a good functional weapon and it Maybe has a lot came of up with like stuff. a a Riggy Mini. Yeah, a Riggy Mini. It's a fucking acronym that uh, people are going to start using. The Riggy. <laughs> I want a Riggy. What mods would you recommend? For example, the mods that I would recommend one is having an optic, a red dot optic or magnification. If you have an SKS, you want a little bit of magnification, but iron sights are just as good. One is always have, did I say 39 yeah, millimeter? Yeah. Sorry, 5.56 five, by 45 millimeter. Another thing is you want a sling. Always have a two-point sling in order to sling these rifles. I use, and Kurt uses, VTAC slings by Kyle Lamb. Uh, perfect slings, perfect balance. Also have the ability to have maybe mod out a SKS by getting a synthetic stock. Most of those stocks are wood yeah. and wood deteriorates over time. So, uh, you know, there's a couple mods for your gun. I'm going to throw one to Kurt and then uh, we'll cut it. Um, but security measures when setting a camp, hiking through a permissive, semi-permissive environment, do you treat every survival situation as non-permissive? That reminds me of uh, Robin Sage. <laughs> yeah. setting up booby traps. This question is from a guy, Harry underscore P. Hey, appreciate the question first off. So security measures when setting a camp, hiking through a permissive, semi-permissive environment. One, if it's permissive, I'm thinking about Colorado right now. If I'm camping or hiking, I always, you know, exercise EDC. You know, um, I have a, uh, a concealed firearm on, on me uh, probably 99.9% .9 of the time. Um, if not, I've got a blade. And then the other things that we always recommend for EDC, 
I don't always assume that people are up to no good. I think that's a... Did they start trouble in your neighborhood? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That one little fight and your mom <laughs> gets scared. We can always count on Mike for music lyrics. Sorry. Um, no, but if it's a semi-permissive environment, that's different. You know, I, I've served in some of those environments and, um, you know, I haven't been on a camping trip per se in those environments, but hey man, I'm always keeping, uh, you know, a clear head, eyes open, and I'm always taking in sights, sounds, and everything that's going on around me because, um, and we talk about this in some of our gunfighter courses, but humans are, we use our eyes to gather intelligence and we use our ears and all of our other senses. And so I take all that information in and then that helps, uh, that helps me to make educated decisions. Um, and then, you know, clearly if it's a non-permissive environment, there's a whole series of protocol that you go through there for security. Um, we treat every situation as a non-permissive environment because the <laughs> bottom line is a permissive environment is permissive until it's non-permissive any state in any place in the United States of America would be considered semi to non-permissive or I'm sorry, semi to permissive. And it's non-permissive when shit hits the fan. So you always got to be prepared for that. So we do treat that the same way. We're very contingency planning based. So I always, my family thinks I'm a weirdo, but, but I plan for things to go wrong all the time. And that's just based off of what I've been through. And I just, I couldn't, you know, be, uh, okay with the fact that if something did happen and I was unprepared, then clearly the things that we teach everybody that listens to us and everything else will be bullshit. So again, I always have a firearm on me. I always have a med kit on me. I've got, you know, a light source, tourniquet, all that kind of stuff to make sure that we are prepared for anything that would happen. Yeah. So uh, it says, uh, Dave Hay says, Kurt and me are spirit my spirit animals well, <laughs> is thanks, that what Davey you're wrapping it with i'm wrapping it with that man that's a good we, we like that i like i wouldn't mind being your spirit animal what yeah. kind of animal am i if you were an animal what animal would you be Ooh, damn can i think about this and we can answer it on the next you'd podcast? be a possum <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you'd be a starfish you'd be a sloth <laughs> starfish that's a good one <laughs> I'd be a Bengal tiger. Ooh. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, sexy. That was weird. I just had this picture of you, like, doing the whole, like, hands up with the claw thing. Yeah. Like All a right. liger. Yeah, that's I'd weird. I'd be a liger. That's weird. That's so weird. Did you fantasize about it just now? That was weird. Yeah, we need to go. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, so, hey, we're going to wrap up this episode. We're going to do part two parts of this uh, series and uh answer the rest of the questions because we take these questions serious and they're all good questions i think yeah. everybody besides a couple dudes that said uh, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck which everybody knows <laughs> a wood chuck would bring as much wood as he could have as he could chuck lot. yeah as he could chuck duh <laughs> um yeah so we appreciate the feedback and appreciate you guys tuning in you guys can check us out at fieldcraftsurvival.com you'll get plenty of kit plenty of shirts plenty of swag all that good stuff on the website Stay tuned for this tribe update. If you're not subscribed, text the word survival to 55498. That's survival to 55498 on your phone. And then be part of the tribe or go on our website at fieldcraftsurvival.com. Put in your email and then you'll get the email update. You, you, you. I think that's it. You got anything? Why do you always do that to me at the end? I'm like not thinking about I it. Always You're closing you. it out. My favorite thing is to make you look no, stupid. Yeah, I know. Which is easy. Son of a. Easy. It's um, so easy. No, hey, yeah, closing it out. Of course, I'm always appreciative to the people that listen to us. Thank you guys for listening to us. I hope that you get something out of this podcast. Please, if you have questions, DM us, send us an email. 
follow us on social media and uh, we hope that you stay prepared and uh, we hope that all this information means something to you. Yeah. Till next time. Stay alert. Stay alive. Stay alive.